This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Hi everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Thoughts and Talks with Tishne. All these episodes are loaded each Tuesday to Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts under the name of Thoughts and Talks with Tishne. So check those out if you've missed a couple. Anyway, back to today's episode. My guest today is actually from overseas. She's a Belgium citizen who came here when COVID was getting serious at an alarming rate. She's since been having problems dealing with flights back and her son's education. I know this will be an interesting episode, so let's get it started. So, welcome uh Isabel Prosser. So, your story is so interesting. So, just tell me like what you do first of all. I organize um conferences, now virtual conferences mm-hmm. um in the renewable sector as well as for um European institutional clients. So, that's for the European Commission, the European Parliament and so forth. Oh, that sounds cool. And what did you do in Belgium? I did exactly that. <laughs> I work from home most of the time uh, mm-hmm. with some travel. Um, we used to have travel, but most of the time I'm just working from home or going into a studio to pre-record and um, organize the events. Cool. That sounds cool. And you like it? I love it. It's That's just good. so varied. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you've been a citizen in Belgium for 16 years. Um 16 years is it right? No, I was originally born in Belgium and we oh. immigrated to New Zealand when I was 11 mm-hmm. and I went back to Belgium on holiday 16 years ago and have been living over there for the last 16 years so I'm what you call a Belgo Kiwi. Oh cool. <laughs> <laughs> and what made you decided to move to Belgium? I went back on holiday. Mm-hmm. Um I felt like I had a, an events business in Christchurch doing mm-hmm. a lot of work for the city council in Vodafone uh, New Zealand and felt like I wanted to reassess where things were at with work and so I thought hmm I'm going to take myself to Europe. Yeah. I guess that was the first time I did my OE and um I decided to to stay for a while. Yeah. Why did you stay? I ended up meeting somebody at the time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> and your you have a son? I do. I have an 11-year-old son, Jordan. He's here with me in New Zealand and going to a local school. Uh-huh. And how has that been for him? Um for him he's understood enough that there is there is a real issue um particularly overseas with covid. Um and he knows that it's a real opportunity to be in New Zealand to be safe. Mm-hmm. He's been coming to New Zealand every year since he was born. So he he knows New Zealand, he knows what he knows what it's about. Um I guess it's it's more difficult now that he knows we've got to stay here for a while because it's been difficult to get back. How is he adjusting to school? He's been great. Um I mean, I think he's a very adaptable kind of guy. Um his English is really good now. I think that made a big difference um with him fitting in and uh and you know, being seen as a local and a Kiwi. Um but I guess there are certain things that are still slightly different and he's needing to adjust. Overall, he's doing really great. Really That's great. That's great. And you came here in mid-March. We you? did. We yeah. I think literally got the last international flight out of Belgium. Last international flight. Yeah. Wow. And I raced to the airport just mm-hmm. feeling like something was really not going to to work out and um got on that last flight out with Emirates and literally purchased my ticket over the counter which I've never done in my life even though I've done a lot of travel and they looked at each other as though to say is she going to make it home because they were literally closing the borders one country after another around yeah. that period and so we thought we make we could get stuck in Dubai we could get stuck in Sydney but we need to give it a go we wanted to come home yeah and did you have to quarantine 
Uh, we self-quarantined for two weeks when we arrived, yes. Yeah. And how was that, not meeting any of your I enjoyed family? it. <laughs> you did? <laughs> it was so good. It was so peaceful, and we're so lucky to be in a beautiful part of, of the world where there's just a lot of nature, we've got space around the house, and we basically we just took it in our stride to enjoy the quieter um, two weeks, mm-hmm. and then very soon after New Zealand went into lockdown, so everyone had to go through that anyway. So. Yeah. Tell me about your struggles with flights cancelled. Look, um, I mean, I'm seeing it as a bittersweet experience because obviously I'm recognising how very fortunate we are to still be in New Zealand amidst what's going on overseas. Um, There is the reality that we thought we'd only be here for a couple of months just to get over this little flu that was going around and now Mm -hmm. is obviously known to be a much bigger deal. Um, And where the struggle is, is I think the lack of transparency that's come from the airline um, insofar as there have been several cancellations um, that are just pushed to us through email and very impersonal emails with no information as to why it's been cancelled. So I think for me it's a question of, well, why is it cancelled and what can we do about it? And uh, it's taken quite some effort to get to the bottom of it. Um, so, yeah, altogether we've had seven cancelled flights um, and the next available flight to head back is 29th of March. So it'll be over a year oh, wow. since we left. Mm-hmm. Wow. One whole year. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. Are you, like, do you feel uncertain going back? I feel uncertain insofar as I feel so much safer here Mm. and I feel that the mentality of the people are so much more positive. What I'm seeing overseas, there's a lot of unrest because of how the pandemic has been handled and that doesn't comfort me as a mother Mm. to be going back with a child um, amidst uh, a mentality that to me is is quite a lot more negative than what I'd like to live uh, amongst. Yeah, yeah. And you said you've been um, in like looking at a few Facebook groups and social media groups for people like you. Can you tell me about that? Sure. When we first started getting these cancellations one after the other, I just thought this is crazy. There must be ways, of course. And I think if we were a straightforward tourist coming over from Belgium with only Belgian citizenship, we probably could have pleaded to the embassy or consulate to really help us to get back. But we weren't in that situation. We'd willingly, you know, come to New Zealand to get away from the pandemic over there, and I have every right to live here as a permanent resident, and most of my family are Kiwis, and so is my partner. And so we're not in that same situation of desperation, and therefore I started reaching out to people who may have been in a similar situation of, well, how come, you know, there are so many of us still stuck here? And we're talking tens of thousands um, from what I know now. And interestingly, I was getting some feedback at first, a little bit coy, but then I would actually get some information through my personal messaging rather than on, on walls and on the posts from people who either work for the airline or who'd been really affected um, to understand enough about the situation to get the fuller picture. And what I can understand is happening is that there are fewer flights, although there are still about 10 to 12 international flights that can potentially get us back somewhere near Europe. But what's also happening is that there's a lot less um, staff and crew on board 
and of course a lot of those would have been affected to the economy section. So what I'm hearing from that Facebook or social media community from experience is that there's only about maximum 50 to, to well maximum 50 to um, 30 to 50 people in economy that are actually boarding and, and heading back to Europe um, and that's not a lot. And when I started looking at the statistics of people coming into New Zealand and leaving New Zealand, I was gobsmacked to see that some days there are only about 16 people leaving New Zealand. I mean, that's so few. Um, The most leaving New Zealand sits at about 800. That's only two Boeings full. Yet there are still about 10 to 12 planes leaving every day. So that got me thinking, what is happening? So it stacked up the fact that there were a lot less economy seats available. And also the fact that airlines needing to make it work financially are actually pushing customers like myself to upgrade and pay business class tickets and first class tickets. And so what I am hearing is that those who are managing to leave New Zealand right now because they've got a business class or first class ticket. And so we're not in that particular position. And I even think that in principle, it would be very difficult for me to hand over that kind of money when we've got a perfectly good um, ticket that was given to a board to get us in and out of Christchurch. Um, and so I've tried to negotiate with the airline. I've said to them, look, we see that you've got flights coming out of Auckland. Do you think you could do something? Well, sure, we could get you on, potentially on a flight to Auckland, but you'd still have to pay for the upgrade and you'd have to pay for your way to get to Auckland. Now, that doesn't sit so well with me because there are still so many hurdles to get through. What if they still bump us off um, two hours before the flight, which they can do? We would have you know, bought ourselves our, our, our seats to Auckland. Um, and then what? Also marred with the fact that Emirates brought in extra measures um, insofar as we had to get um, tested within 96 hours of flying at our expense. It's about $200 to get that test um, if you're wanting it for um, travelling purposes. Again, you get the test done and then you get you know, bumped off. You have to start all over again the following week. To me, there were just too many risks involved in us taking that responsibility where from the onset I still think that we've purchased a ticket with Emirates. They need to, to, to take ownership of getting us back. Yeah, oh my goodness, wow. And what about your son? Because he was born in Belgium, is he a citizen now, um, in Belgium. Um, is there a work visa or like student visa? Or? So um, he is over here on a visitor's visa. Visitor visa, yeah. And so he came in um, with a visitor's visa and that granted him the first three months. And after that, recognising that a lot of people were here and unable to fly out, there was an extension till the 25th of September. And as we got closer to that date, um, I saw no signs of any communication coming back from Immigration New Zealand. And I realised they were super inundated with a lot of requests. But still, I think it was three weeks before the, the deadline, I started feeling uneasy about waiting until the last minute to do something about it. And so I went ahead and tried to apply for a student visa. Um, I need to be told you haven't quite applied under the right category because there are different categories for Mm. the student visa. Mm. Um, And so that actually essentially put on hold what came next, which is the very next day after applying for that student visa, all visitors' visas were again automatically extended until February with the possibility of going to school. And so I had quite a, uh, you know, deal with going because I had to try and backtrack. I had to ask them to cancel that request 
that took a, you know that two weeks and a lot of stress. So it was a bit of a messy parkour, but um, we got there in the end. So he's now absolutely fine and covered to be able to go to school until the end of February. But as I've said to you, our flight now is not announced until 29th of March. So, again, I've got to look at my options again to get him covered and yeah. for him to be legal in New Zealand. Do you think he'd like going back or what if he settles in here? Look, we'll have to cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of things from his home that he misses, of course, and that's normal. But I have to say um, there are a lot of things about New Zealand that he absolutely loves as well. And I think it'll be hard for him both ways um, because he is starting to really enjoy things about New Zealand that he can't get over there. He's learning to surf. He's just taken up BMX uh, racing, which he wouldn't be able to do over there. Yeah. And so these are all the things that I think he'll miss going back. And, of course, he's making new friends here. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you said um, they only kick off econo- economy class people. Um, you, you told me about a girl that you knew, and she went. So can you tell me about her? Look, there's probably a lot that I've said, so I can't quite recall the one that I gave you the example of. Can you refresh my memory? She, um, her parents bought the... Yes, the German. Yeah. Yeah, so she had a perfectly good um, ticket uh, with Singapore Airlines. Mm -hmm. There were actually a couple of stories around that. Um, So she had a ticket to um, full economy to go back on Singapore Airlines, and she kept getting, getting bumped off, and her parents really, really wanted her back. So they ended up buying a whole new ticket again. It was an economy again. And because they ended up buying that ticket, but it was a different price because obviously with COVID prices have gone up, she was able to leave. So she ended up having to ask for a refund and hopefully she's got that. I haven't followed the story. There was another story where someone had an economy ticket and the parents bought a first class ticket just so that they could get their kid out of New Zealand. Oh, wow. Yeah. By kid, I mean, you know, young adult. Yeah, yeah. And do you know how the Belgium government handled all this? You mean in Belgium or yeah, for in their Belgium. expats? In, El- in Belgium. Badly. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why? Why? I think Belgium is a very complex country. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only not even 11 million, so twice the size of New Zealand, mm-hmm. yet we have nine health ministers. Why would that be? It's because everything is split from national to federal to regional and no one sees eye to eye. And some years we've had no government for over 500 days just because they have not agreed on forming a government. So it gives you, uh, you know, an insight as to how, um, yeah, how divided they all are. You've got the Walloons on the south and you've got the Flemish in the north. And again, culturally speaking, they're very different it's a country that has been like that, um, very patchy for, for many a year, and I can't see it being resolved anytime soon. I think they've also given mixed signals to the population as to what COVID was about, what measures were put in place, um, and the population are, are fed up. They're really fed up, so there's, there's a lot of angst, there's a lot of anger, and yeah, people just wish COVID would go away for things to, to go back to normal, but it, it's not going away. And you said someone was fined $200 to taking out their garbage. Exactly. So this is one of the, the, you know, the things that they put in place. They decided to get quite forceful about anyone leaving without a piece of paper to warrant them being outside. And everyone must wear a mask if stepping outside. Now, this person, who I know personally lives in rural Belgium, mm-hmm. um, stepped outside to put out her garbage without a mask. The police happened to be there and she got fined 250 euros for not wearing her mask, taking her trash out. Oh, wow. Did that ever happen to you before you came here? 
No, because we didn't have to wear masks. Oh, you I, didn't have to wear masks. I came back before the lockdown. Mm, that, that must have been, like, really lucky. Um, due to COVID, what have you, like, what have you, what did you plan to do this year that have changed? Actually, um, for, for me, being able to come back here has just been amazing because mm-hmm. it's a, um, this is my home and I'd always wanted to, to come back for a longer term. So in a way, this has really um, changed um, my life. But um, I guess we had a whole season of volleyball lined up with, with my team back in Belgium where we were really you know doing well and we were wanting to go up a grade. And, um, and obviously that hasn't managed to happen. But I'm also learning that they've had the uh, the competition um, cancelled for several weeks because of COVID. They haven't been able to go ahead, and so no one's moving up a division or down or anything. So that's that's also um, taken a brunt for COVID. Yeah. Mm. And have you been practicing here? Or yeah, yeah, I've, I've joined a really great um, women's team here, okay. the Magnums, if they're listening. Okay. Uh, they're a really great bunch of women, and we've been um, playing on Tuesday nights down at the Eggers Centre, and we're now doing some beach volleyball out at Tomahawk now and then when the weather permits. So it's been really nice to connect with volleyballers over here. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, did the lockdown change your perspective on things? I guess... Washing hands. <laughs> I mean, distancing. I did before. I mean, I always wash my hands before, but now it's just crazy. It's like every time, you know, I, I feel like if I touch my face, I'm going to go wash my hands. Or every time I, I come into a shop, I, you know, take the time to just scan. And these are things that I wouldn't have done before because we were just so much freer. Um, I think also just not taking what we have for granted when they're handed to you, such as being able to be in New Zealand, being so lucky to be in such a safe place. Um, it's just been a real eye-opener as to um, life can really th- throw you curlers, but they can also throw you some wonderful things too, even though you know, most people would say a pandemic is the most disastrous thing that could happen. Um, good things can come out of it too. So for me, it's, it's been quite positive. And your flight is back in uh, March. So what are you going to do until then? Do you have any plans? Well, the conference, virtual conference, mm-hmm. which is a global wind conference, uh, happens end of January. So maybe a little holiday around New Zealand around somewhere New Zealand. in February will be really Where awesome. Look, we went to Queenstown and, and Kaikoura last time. Um, I'd really love to visit the um, around Golden Bay. I haven't been for years, okay. and I'd love to head back up there. So before the lockdown and everything did you come to New Zealand frequently or two, two or three times a year yeah yeah because of my work in in the the wind industry I would go to China or Argentina or Mexico and often I'd get an extra flight or two to come home so you, to you, see family and my partner yeah. yeah and you travel a bit so this must be hard to stay in one place no it's not too bad no. I mean we we love it down the bay and uh, we've got our friends um, down there we we managed just I guess we we're more into going out for walks and enjoying what New Zealand has to offer and it is a beautiful country and it's wonderful to have the opportunity to revisit it from diff- you know through different eyes with less people on the roads um, it's just less crazy and it's really nice to be able to enjoy it and peaceful and peaceful yeah <laughs> awesome <laughs> and if airlines are listening which probably they're not but what would you like to say to them I'd like to say can you Work on your transparency because, mm. honestly, without that, people just get super anxious. Um, it's not the fact that we keep getting bumped off. It's the fact that we're not told. Mm. And I would rather be told straight up exactly what the situation is 
So work on that transparency and just look at ways to make people feel understood and comfortable. Mm-hmm. Do you know anyone who's having the exact problem still? Um, not yet, but I suspect I have a few friends that are, you know, their contracts are about to end and they will have to look at ways to, to head home and yeah. they will probably have to go through the same situation as myself. Yeah. And for others, like if they don't have money, like how are they surviving? You mean he, being here in New Zealand? Yeah. Uh, look, I don't know. I've not been following that side of the narrative. Mm. Um, I suspect it's very tough. I suspect it's tough. And, um, but I also know how generous Kiwis are. And I think hang, hang in there, try and do the best uh, and, and, and ask for help if you need it. Mm. Yeah. I think that's all. Thank you so much. This You're was welcome, really interesting. Me. So interesting. I, I didn't know how many people were affected by this until I talked to you. And, yeah, I looked at the um, social media pages too, which is so heartbreaking to see mm-hmm. everyone and people who were like planning their weddings and birthdays and graduations and everything so indeed we think it was hard for us but not as much as so other someone people worst off, right? yeah, yeah yeah thank you so much well, thank Isabel. you for your time today Thishne. thank you for your time <laughs> <laughs> and that is folks so thank you for listening and for now goodbye This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.